Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Hello there and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast with you every Friday morning with your favourite podcasting app or of course Friday evenings on RTE Radio. Our show this week is kindly sponsored by Intersystems, who specialise in machine learning apps that connect data and application silos for organisations with critical needs such as healthcare. We'll find out more about what they do later on. My name is Dusty Rhodes. You're welcome to show number 892. I'm joined, as always, by our editor-in-chief, the uh, splendid Niall Kitson. Splendid. <laughs> I was wondering That's what adjective... Uh, yeah, I was wondering what adjective I'd, uh, I'd go with there. Maybe I, maybe I need an adjective every week. I'm, I'm thinking of Kim Jong-un, or whatever his name is. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Well, you you compared me to Donald Trump at one point. Oh, there so. you go. There you go. Yes, you you are in the you are in the style of um, um, old that's and powerful men. I'm a great dictator. Well, that's a bit depressing. You know, master Listen, of my tiny domain. Speaking of old, depressing dictators and men of power and women of power, everybody is getting mm-hmm. together. Uh, the big, there's two big stories this week. Uh, Facebook is one of them, and COP22 is the other. COP26 or COP26 is is the other. You were thinking of Catch22. I was actually thinking of LaunchPod 22, which is our special offer for people who want to make podcasts. Uh, oh. You can check out dustpod.ie forward slash offers for details. Oh, now, <laughs> let me get back to support COP26. Uh, the only reason I'm mentioning that is, I mean, it's not our area, but Facebook surprised me, or rather Meta surprised me because uh, the company is carbon zero already and has yeah, been yeah. since last year. Yeah. And the, the, the big tech giants, they've all pretty much pledged to be either currently carbon neutral or mm. going to be there by about 2030, thereabouts. Yeah. I think I think Microsoft is there already. Uh, Apple have plans. Google have plans. Uh, it's great PR. Mm. Uh, whether it will be enough in time is open to debate because they all love their data centers, which I... are massive, a massive problem mm. for energy. I saw an amazing uh, video where Microsoft are putting data centers at the bottom of the ocean. Mm-hmm. The entire thing goes into like, you know, kind of a, like a, a 40 foot container and it's mm-hmm. wrapped up in waterproof, whatever, with wires mm-hmm. coming out of either end and they drop it to the bottom of the ocean. And yep. the water actually keeps the electronics yeah. cool. And I mean, it's only a 40 foot container, whatever the size of it, it's not going to add 1.5 degrees to the ocean over the years. Mm-hmm. But I just kind of thought, Wow. That's 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 pretty cool. Yeah. Well, that's similar to the argument for putting data centers here. You know, temperate climate doesn't get too cold, doesn't get too hot, doesn't get too cold. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's again, it's a nice PR move to show, hey, we can do this. But, you know, you got to you got to look at it in the context mm. of, you know, Google flirted with the idea of having, you know, an oil rig that would effectively be beyond international jurisdictions so they could do whatever the hell they wanted out in the, out in the ocean on their oil rig. But um, <laughs> never came to pass. Sounds like Radio Caroline all over again. Uh, anyway, <laughs> very few people are old enough to remember that. Let's get back to uh, Meta. Anyway, they, yeah. they, they announced the name after uh, we had been recording. Uh, mm. What did you think? Was it earth shattering or did you care? Uh, 
well, not really. I mean, but in the same way that Google sort of rebranded as Alphabet. Uh, I mean, Alphabet is basically a holding company over mm. which all the Google products live. Mm. Uh, Meta is exactly the same. It's just going to be the holding company under which all Facebook's brands live. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, nobody is going to be hoodwinked by going, oh, the Metaverse, is that actually owned by Facebook? I mean, no, it's, it's just a convenience. It is, but I also think it plays well publicly because you can distance yourself just a little bit. You know, they can say, well, Mark Zuckerberg now works for Meta. So, you know, kind of mm-hmm. what we do is distance from Facebook or whatever, whatever it happens to be. I, I think... Complaining about a whole other set of guys. It's not uh, us. Well, whatever. Um, Facebook also in the news this week because they are uh, getting rid of something uh, that we don't like at all, and that's facial mm. recognition. Yeah, facial recognition. They had a uh, project involving, I think, a, a billion faces uh, as part of their facial recognition um, project, mm. which I'm sure had plenty of benefits like facial login, all that sort of thing. Um, but of course, it fell foul of regulators and GDPR, etc. Uh, so they've had to not only ditch the project, but ditch one billion images. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, that was an expensive project. I tell you that much, but they've had to ditch it and rightly so. But there's a guy in the States or a company in the States and what they did was they basically uh, scraped Facebook for photos Mm -hmm. and and were able to associate the photos with the names and then they Mm -hmm. did facial recognition on them and they're selling all of that data to, I'm not going to say the FBI, but maybe uh, people like the FBI or or, or maybe even whoever can afford it. Like, you know, I mean, it it is really scary stuff. Mm. I think it is. Like once you've scraped that uh, that data, um, that's that's where the problems exist because that's where mm. Facebook can say, "Look, you shared that with us." I mean, we were pretty good about it; we mm. didn't share it with anyone. But uh, somebody else came along and you know hacked in inverted commas your account, or just found it on Google Images or mm. anything like that. So yeah, serious serious problem. So of course but the of name course, facial recognition has massive problems with accuracy. Uh, especially they found with uh, African-Americans mm. that there was plenty of uh, misidentification going on. Uh, so there are serious racial issues going on with um, accuracy. Uh, and that's that's a problem that uh, maybe Facebook decided they didn't really want to deal with. They've got enough bad PR as it is. Uh, they're in enough trouble with regulators as it is. Let's not do it. Let's see. Yeah, we could be hurtling towards a day like that Tom Cruise movie where you'll be arrested for a crime that you might commit. Uh, we're not gonna. We're not gonna talk about Minority Report again. It used to be a weekly <laughs> back in the day. Speaking of uh, Meta, which of course mm. is the, the short for our Metaverse, which is you know Mark yeah. Zuckerberg's big, 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 big thing. Um, I've I've heard the best description of what Metaverse is and where he wants to go with it. Ooh, okay, hit me up. Star Trek's holodeck. Yeah. Equals yeah. Metaverse. Well, kind of, yeah, but it's mm. also um, the, the traditional cyberpunk vision of, you know, virtual reality goggles, virtual environment. But of course, you know, in, in the way that hackers manipulated the virtual environment to go and get things that they wanted, yeah. uh, the metaverse is basically a very sanitized kind of place where you go in and you, you know, it's a walled garden. And I'm sure you'll have bespoke apps with the meta tag on it mm. uh, and it is going to be very um, uh, anodyne and antiseptic and no I don't think it's a great application of uh, VR Do you think it's going to be anodyne and antiseptic and Facebook designed it? 
Wow. You think it'll be Shocker. prim? <laughs> you think it'll be prim and proper and safe and designed by <laughs> Facebook? <laughs> well, although you know, I'm I'm sure it will be full of climate change deniers and whatnot. That you will log in <laughs> and you will be presented by people with a, a virtual newsstand telling mm. you the what's what about absolutely nothing. I don't know. I I don't know about the ins and outs, but uh, when I thought about the holodeck or when I thought about Neo from the Matrix. Plugging yeah, in, yeah, and I kind of yeah. went. Now that sounds to me like a metaverse. I mean, the goggles does doesn't do it for me though. Been there, yeah, the done that, tried it. They, they, they can refine it. They can make it better. But like, if you actually feel like you really are somewhere else, mm. amazing. But yeah. uh, Microsoft are also getting in on the whole metaverse thing. What are they, they up to? Are yeah, they've got a mesh for Teams, which is their uh, their equivalent of it. Because um, Ignite is going on this week, which is very much their enterprise focused uh, software uh, event uh, over the last few days, and they've been showing up. They've been showing off things in the, the area of security and collaboration that they think will be will be interesting. And Teams Mesh is is their um, metaverse equivalent, if you will. Uh, they've showed a, a they showed a proof concept of something quite similar a few years ago, but they incorporated Skype. Uh, and of course, Skype is uh, effectively a dead brand. It's Teams is is the way forward. And uh, yeah, it was basically same looked exactly like the metaverse to me it was like dodgy avatar you wear a, a heavy virtual reality set and you get to talk about work well uh, we'll keep an eye on that uh, speaking of microsoft uh, we're recording this on thursday we're about to go off and enjoy their ignite event later on this afternoon so we can't talk about the podcast however we will have details on the website for you at techcentral.ie listen that is the uh, news for this week now thank you as always do remember we keep you up to date daily on all things tech with hourly updates and daily newsletters all on the website for free for you at techcentral.ie This is Tech Central your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie Data is powering pretty much everything that we do from choosing a movie on Netflix to fintech or even just finding our phones when they go missing but how do you balance quantity and quality? Intersystems sales manager Redmond O'Leary sat down with Niall Kitson to chat about the changes that he has seen in Ireland's tech scene over his career. So I guess if we were to start at the very beginning, Redmond, you've been in the tech industry in Ireland for about 30 years. So it's kind of fair to say you've you've been everywhere and seen it all at this stage, either from the, the programming or the commercial end. So do you consider yourself something of an evangelist at this stage? Oh, well, it's time has flown. It only feels like yesterday when I was climbing under desks and drilling holes for Ethernet cables and showing people how to put their mouse the right way around. And over those years, I suppose I've dealt with, you know, consumers all the way through to a whole variety of businesses. The last 20 years mostly has been financial services. Evangelist, well, do you know what? I'd like to be, I'd like to, I'm really passionate about technology. But equally, I'm passionate about, I suppose, and from an evangelistic perspective, I suppose it would be about, well, is this really good for the business? You know, because I think sometimes people are sold a pup and, you know, or people are so excited. And I'm one, you know, I consume technology and buy gadgets and and I love all that. But when it comes to a business, it has to be justifiable. And through all those years, you see a lot of repetition. You see a lot of same things happening, but it always comes back to the people. 
Uh, and and that would still be my consistent view that this should always be about the people and, and what they're trying to achieve. And that while all this technology is wonderful, uh, and I know we're going to talk about the data topic and, and artificial intelligence is part of that, I still feel it's in our hands to control. And, and that's, if anything, what I would evangelize. This, whatever we do from a technology perspective, has to help people and help businesses. And I suppose you've you've seen it from that sort of the the high end down to the low end as well. So how would you compare and contrast working with, say, a multinational with working with an SME? I I mean, totally different cultures. But do you find a a similar willingness to look at new technology at the SME level uh, as opposed to maybe the the big, slightly bureaucratic uh, corporate world? You know what? It's, it's it's funny. I've seen a real mix. I, I in in SMEs, I've seen a lot of brave people. You know, I can recall one time I set up a, 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 an individual entrepreneur who was setting out to set up a print business, and he bought a Macintosh from me and a laser printer, and some DTP application software called Quark Express, and he built a wonderful business that just grew and grew and grew. And equally, you can go into a large multinational, and you know, like I, I can think of one retailer in particular who were just dead set against technology and completely paranoid. And the value, it was just, you know, in front of you to such a large extent. And it was a crying shame to see them not embrace that. And still to this day, they, they suffer as a result. But at the end of the day, it's, it's their business, not my business. Um, so, yeah, I do see a, a variation. What I would like to think, though, is the multinationals, what we're seeing now is a lot more diversity of people working in these organizations. And of course, in the last 10 years, a lot of people have grown up with this technology. You and I and anyone listening to this cast will have our mobile phones and we're used to apps and, and our demands and our needs are increasing. And I suppose what I've seen in the large, in the very large corporates in, in, in Ireland is, you know, all this I suppose what we call ghost IT or shadow IT that has crept in that has caused its own problems. Yeah. And that idea of shadow IT and uh, has really sort of come to the fore during the last year when we have uh, everybody hybrid working. So you have an awful lot of devices as part of the IT estate in companies that they, they absolutely don't know. And one imagines people are, are using their sort of their, their latest generation consumer devices for uh, work purposes, which is a tremendous security problem. <laughs> Without a doubt, without a doubt. But I tell you what, I don't know, to put a question to you is like, have you, the last time you looked at your phone, and I was trying to do this recently, was consolidated my own address book. And I have data in my Gmail. I have a private other email address that I use. I have some detail over in Amazon. And I'm trying to figure how the heck do I bring this all together? You know, that's, that to me is a problem that's come together. And, and you know, I personally have kept work and, and uh, personal devices separate, but there is more and more of an overlap. Um, and I'm noting that even in tools that people are using every day, if you go onto LinkedIn, and of your connections, it's interesting to see those who are using their work email address versus their personal email address based upon where LinkedIn came from as one of those tools out there that people are using. And more commonly in the past, I think it was personal. And now it's moving more to, I suppose, people are not so afraid of that tool and, and they're widening the use of it into using it for business. As for devices, yeah, I think it, it crosses everything from devices through to your PC and your own security. 
Um, I don't know if you've received any alerts, but I recently got alerted from Google where they said, look, you need to go out and get yourself a two-factor authentication because there's been attempts at your account. And that's unnerving. And it's it's not that I'm a billionaire with, with lots of money slashing around, um, but I do want to protect my privacy around that data. Um, so there are challenges there for us. And why am I being targeted, at, you know, uh, as opposed to my peers uh, and my friends um, in what they are doing? So, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's becoming more mixed. It's becoming more complex for us as individuals and businesses. I suppose we should move on to your current obsession now, which is uh, which is data and uh, what companies can get out of it or rather what they're not getting out of it at the moment. Um, so I, I suppose one of the first problems of the way data is used in industry at the moment is sort of the idea uh, is of all data being created equal, uh, which of course isn't the case. So how do you deal with that mindset? Yeah, it's, it's, well, yes, you're right. Data. Wow. It's, it's such a massive topic. I love it, but it brings with it its own challenges and quality of data, you know, and volumes of data. We all know volumes are just growing and growing and growing and, and, and will it ever end? Um, and different people will have different perspectives about the quality of data. So if you're capturing data, if you're a business, if you're a bank and you're bringing, you obviously got simple things like transaction data, but, you know, what if you're a bank that's, you know, putting in a video ATM and you want to record messages? What if you're the security arm? What if you're dealing with intrusion detection? What if you're dealing with spurious calls that happen through through the support desk or the sales desk? Um, data means different things to different people depending on your role. And I suppose businesses and individuals like you and I have been capturing this data and we just continue to capture it and it grows and grows and grows like if it, I, I mentioned earlier on we were chatting about you know sorting out my address book you know my volume just growing and i look at the quality of my data when i was trying to consolidate my address book and how difficult it is and and some of that data is just poor data you know it's wrong data it's bad data so not all data obviously is created equally and some data is unhelpful where, where, let's say, fields have gotten mixed up and I've got the wrong address in against the wrong person or the wrong phone number. Uh, and in other cases, if you've got photographic data that's gotten kind of confused, you know, are you mislabeling? Are, are the labels associated with the data associated with that wrong? And that can extend into businesses where, you know, and, and again, touching into other areas of, let's say, artificial intelligence, you know, and the biases of models and how those models are dependent upon data um, is, is what volumes of data, because at the end of the day, you know, this is about human beings. This is, this is about us, right? And, you, you know, we do our best with technology to help and solve issues, um, but we make decisions and business leaders make decisions based upon the data available to them. And there are many stories going back and current stories, and we'll have regular stories in the news about where data gets misused um, by individuals deliberately, by accident, um, you know, for criminal purposes. Some of it's hurtful data. But then also, we generally, when we think of bad data, we think of useless data, data that isn't valuable. But in fact, as time goes on, I think we're discovering that some of that data we thought was useless is actually valuable. So part of the problem, I think, of what we have, and let me bring another analogy for you. Um, if we look at, Niall, 
television programs. You know, we've got the Netflix, we've got Amazon Prime, we've got the traditional television stations, you know, we've got on demand, you know, the Sky Movies, Virgin, etc. And 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 it's it's you know, I find it you go to sit down the odd time to watch a program and it, and it's overwhelming. And and the same thing I think for businesses, it's overwhelming for them in regards to, well, what do I want to capture? I go to the TV guide at the weekend and say, well, what what might I want to record this weekend or this week? Uh, and that becomes a more difficult problem week after week. So I suppose we're seeing this as part of the problem. The quality of data is and an data standards as part of it. And then if you're in the financial services sector and, and in other areas such as pharmaceutical and healthcare, there are regulations you've got to comply with. And that's when you've got to show that you have a proper audit and that you've got proper governance and control over that data to ensure that the decisions that you're making are based upon, um, you know, a solid foundation. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fascinating area for our customers. It's, it's, I suppose it's the challenges we've been helping them with um, and because their environment has become more complex too. And we've got to make that, we've got to simplify that for them and make their life easier as this problem continues. I think part of the uh, the equation, if you will, of data is understanding the context in which it's gathered as well. Because if we look at sort of the content driven model that's out there that the likes of Netflix use, they basically look at what's popular and then replicate that over and over, which is how we have this, you know, massive catalogue of true crime out there at the, at the moment. Um, so do you think there is an issue with understanding the context in which data is gathered, as well as establishing something of the quality of it? For example, if you look at uh, maybe a market seems to have a dip in it but if you're able to go well actually that's because this was going on at the same time you can get a, a better insight out of that data without a doubt and, and i think the last year is, is a great example of that where through covid we have seen behaviors and people change dramatically and um, because they've been forced to and as a result if you look at last year's data and you're trying to analyze well do i go after that market is this going to be the norm going forward? It, it, that can be very, very difficult to make that judgment call based upon that, you know? Um, so in the same way, like luckily on my Netflix, um, I've got different profiles. Um, so I want to watch a bit of science fiction or, or a documentary, but my daughter wants to watch the latest uh, crazy Korean murder fest. <laughs> <laughs> and, and at least I have that uh, you know, sense check applied. But when you're in business, you need multiple layers of that. You, you need, you know, you need to know it. And that's what's, what's driving that now is historically, I suppose, people, you know, who started on spreadsheets, we all started on spreadsheets, they've been going 30 years plus, And we became very used to those and databases came in. And then, you know, we, we built these silos of data and then we threw them all into a lake and then we tried to clean them up and turn them into a warehouse. And now we've got data blooming everywhere and we've got it in the cloud. You know, we're actually generating legacy now, today, in the cloud, which is meant to be, you know, the, the future. Uh, and that just causes more and more problems, I suppose, for those who are trying to make business decisions. So part of what we're seeing that the demand and the challenges that we're trying to help clients with is firstly deal with that scale of data, you know, that help them 
deal with that volume, that ever-increasing volume and the various location of where that volume is. But we're trying to help them embed that in the business. Because another dramatic change is, I suppose, we have seen, and we touched on shadow IT earlier on, where business units, because of politics or because of the way that business is run, have gone off and done their own thing. And, and that's a massive challenge for IT. But equally, why is it happening? Why have people chosen to do that? Because things were too slow on the other side and they were being impatient. Have they now created a new legacy themselves? But the fact is, that's there. So we're now helping by, uh, I suppose, effectively trying to bring in and connect that up together, wherever it is. But equally, we're trying to deliver that data in real time. So historically, people were looking back at spreadsheets or they've been looking at reports that are about last week's data. And I remember even even only 10 years ago, you know, being involved with a large multinational and we were extolling the virtues of what was coming about, you know, on-demand uh, analytics. And it's only truly now that we're seeing that come to bear with technology that enables people truly to see vast amounts of data that is analysed in milliseconds, but provide, uh, I suppose, insights on that data instantaneously um, at scale. So that that's that's a massive change that I've seen in the last 10 years when we come to handling data. Now, I'm going off on a tangent, perhaps, on this one now, so bring me back online. No, it's a, it's a really interesting point that you're making there is the ability to identify insights as they're happening, as opposed to looking at things retrospectively, very often to, to use that example of, you know, a breaking news event to have a business able to react within minutes, seconds, hours, etc., as opposed to having to look back and go, oh, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, that sort of happened. You also raised the point about silos there very briefly that, uh, you know, we have these issues going on where one part of the business is recording something, another part of the business is recording something else, and, and ne'er the twain shall meet. How do you see solutions like this ha- for these this situation coming together? Well, you've, you've hit it on the head. And, and, you know, we've all heard the stories where you can have two separate managers come in to the board with supposedly the same access to the same data, but actually have a different result which is a disaster for the business, because where does the truth lie? Um, so I suppose what we've seen in, 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 in developments in technology is a new approach to this. So it's no longer trying to put a sticking plaster on what is the apparent technology issue, but come back and, and, and look at things afresh and say, well, hang on, we need to simplify things. Because now, and I'm sure numbers of your audience who are used to working, let's say, in the cloud, have seen how complex things have got up there. And, you know, it, it reminds me of a bit like these applications that consumers use, you know, to, to watch our television. There's a plethora of them that are growing, um, whether they're on our phone or our tablet or, or our PC. And businesses, the same things have happened for them, not just on-premise, where people were buying all different applications in the 90s and the, and, and the noughties. But now in the cloud, thing, different things have been plugging in from here to there to there, and the architecture has become more and more complex, and the costs have risen. So what, what we've there's something that's basically been termed as, and I suppose it's a hot topic in our sector at the moment, is data fabric. Yeah. So data fabric, what that has brought about is really what that is as an architecture. It's not a product. It's not, you know, there isn't one solution for it, but we do serve that demand of facilitating the data fabric, which effectively 
is a way, if you look at it, it's a way of simplifying the architecture. It's a way of like, like making things easier for the technology and the business. So imagine this, you, you know, people in the past have built custom programs, they've written custom spreadsheets, things were in this silo and that silo, and things, you couldn't change things easily. And, and, and things effectively were like brittle. Um, people then started building different data marts for different purposes, You good implementations of this. And, and, and that resulted in many cases of duplicate data uh, and then, it, as you touched on earlier on, different qualities of data, some bad data, good data. And so what, what, what we've looked to do is effectively serve this demand with a fabric, a data fabric. Uh, so it is an architecture. It's a set of data services. It's a set of consistent, standardized capabilities. So it's effectively, it's standardizing data management across all the locations. doesn't matter whether it's in the cloud. doesn't matter whether it's on-premise or in a spreadsheet or wherever, wherever it is. It is something that has to be adaptive, flexible, and secure. And what, what is the latest in this area is what we call smart data fabrics. So this is where you add things like natural language processing, machine learning, you're embedding analytical tools. You're, you're basically powering those intelligent services and being able to provide it on demand to those who are there. So the, the kind of the way I often illustrate it is that, you know, people, businesses are flooded with data and this is how you mop it up. You know, you, let, you leave it where it is. So, okay, you invested, you know, your millions or your hundreds of thousands into a data lake or a warehouse, uh, um, you know, and you've got various marts here and you've got stuff in the cloud. Leave it where it is. And, and this is a kind of a phased, organic, you know, solution that's aimed purely at delivering the business value. So it's, it's, it's proven from the business value, and that's where it's driven from. Um, and you're looking to implement it on, a, on, a, on an incremental way. So you're thinking big, you know, and, and this comes from the sea level. You're looking at enterprise-wide, but you, you basically provide an incremental measurable value by leveraging what is there and what you've already invested in with this fabric. Yeah. Um, so it's a fundamental shift from where we've come from and it is a journey. So it's not something that you just switch on tomorrow and it's all there, but it, what it allows is finally there's an answer to, well, how do we fix this problem that we found ourselves in? How do we solve that issue with latency, with not getting the performance we want? Um, how do we you know, improve the productivity in our organization? How do we embed automation? So we've done a bit of automation, let's say, on some, some fairly straightforward transactions, but how do we you know, operationalize those efficiencies that we want to do? And also on the IT side is how do we empower either the data scientists we have, but also how do we give that, finally, how do we give that use of bleeding edge technology that can practically effectively help what I suppose people are referring to as, as the ordinary citizen, you know, data scientist, the ordinary uh, data citizen who is a business user who would like to see, well, actually, what is the impact of such and such a situation on today? Where, where are things really going? And what if I play with this and throw this in there? So, you know, we, we're, we're embedding those, you know, machine learning models. So we're facilitating that. Um, in some cases, this has been called, I know some of the leading analysts globally, Gartner call it, 
you know, uh, augmented analytics. Um, Forrester talk about translitical. It, it's, it's, you know, there's, there's fancy terminology behind it all, but we're trying to operationalize, I suppose, this clever technology. Uh, and also it solves a problem where right now, not just in Ireland, but there's a dearth of skills of people who can, mathematicians and people who specialize in data science. So how do you bring those tools easy to use tools or easy to use abilities into the hands of somebody who's familiar with the business and maybe the, the data that's there, but allow them to do things without having to go to a data center scientist uh, and work with models. So that, that's an area that I just find, you know, very, very exciting for, for business and, and where we are at right now. So I've been quite optimistic and positive about where, where things are going. It's definitely in the right direction. And that was Redmond O'Leary from InterSystems. To learn more about what they do, you can visit their website at intersystems.com. That's it for our show for this week. Do remember you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at our website techcentral.ie or listen to us each week online or Fridays with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes and Niall Kitson, thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.